A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. And welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Just myself and Jordan this afternoon, this evening, wherever you're listening to us from. Uh, no, Tom, he is on leave. So uh, he's going to miss a good one because we're talking about uh, a game in Southampton, Jordan, where we weren't sure exactly what we were going to get. Southampton in a good run of form, former Premier League side just dropped down. It was going to be a tricky game, but uh, I think we more than held our own in that one. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, I thought we were. I thought we were really good, actually. Um, it, it was it, we had, we had obviously anticipated being a tough one. It was a team that's in the kind of vicarage road and looked to dominate the ball. You know, they're, they're one of those teams that that stick to their stick to their game plan regardless of opponent, and and we were to be no different in that sense. But uh, yeah, I think off the back of the the whole game, which is almost kind of a a good build up, a good kind of you know practice run on uh, playing a team like this Southampton side. Uh, I, I thought we held up pretty well. Only one change to the uh, the starting lineup, and the midfield area wasn't occupied by Jake Livermore. Sarauta came in instead. Do you feel like the team felt that loss? You know, what? I didn't. Not not too bad. You know, I think um, I, I think Sarauta did well. It, it wasn't maybe the the game that kind of required as much of that Livermore presence in some respects but you know I, I think Francisco did pretty well in there and you know I think Jake Livermore's done extremely well um, when he's been called upon and I th- he'll probably get back into the team there's a good chance he gets back into the team when fit I know it's, it's potentially available for tomorrow uh, for Tuesday that is um, but no I thought he, he did well considering that you know it was not easy to come back in he's been out of the team for a little while with injury um, been playing in a, in a different position a couple of weeks before that when he was available so yeah it was it was good from him Hmm. Let's talk about that first half then, Jordan. What what was your thoughts on that one? Well, I think it was just solid. You know, it, it, again, it's the team that's in the kind of Vicarage Road to control the ball, and we had to be a little bit more, a little bit more passive in terms of that that ball possession. Uh, but we we did we we did hurt them. I thought we countered quite well. Um, a couple of shaky moments, but for the most part, I thought we started to kind of grow into the game in that first half. And you know, the, the fullbacks were both doing well. You, I think we get to see the best of Lewis down there on the left. Um, we we got to see those players kind of push push Southampton back and kind of respect the fact that we could counter. Um, we looked just more more disciplined. I don't just mean defensively so, but even in our build up in our counters, we looked very 
organized. There was structure there. Um, you could tell the players really had an understanding of where the teammates were going to be and, and kind of how to how to get at a Southampton team that's going to be quite high up the pitch. Yeah, Lewis had a really good game, didn't he? Got a lot of plaudits after that one and um, earned some praise off the, off the manager as well. He certainly really been growing into these performances of late and um, he's, he's looking like the player that we were hoping we were going to get when we when we signed him. Oh, definitely. You know, I think it, it helps massively so to have a team that's starting to get a little bit more settled in, in their own kind of style of play. It allows him to, to do that as well. And yeah, he's uh, he's starting to look much, much closer to that. And, you know, same for, for Andrews as well on the right. I thought he looked much better mm. um, offering more... You know, width down the right hand side, and we we kind of really get to see under Ngakia and that presence to go forward, the speed to get there, and also that recovery as well on the way back. Mm. So yeah, you know, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for uh, the, the goalkeeper, we could have easily you know had a little bit more luck in that first half, and a lot of that's down to the the, the extra help from the fullbacks too. Yeah, Watford had a lot of shots in that game, um, almost double the amount that Southampton had. Yeah, and this this is a becoming a bit of a trend, isn't it? You know, we we talked about that clip, that training ground clip with. Valerian Ismail kind of, you know, encouraging the team to take more shots, get more shots away. I think you know, that's a little bit of a, a kind of a, a mindset he's trying to instill into the players, you know, take opportunities, take chances. If there's a half chance, go for it. You know, you, you want to you want to build that confidence and also create that kind of element of chaos that we know that he likes in, in certain areas. And, you know, you could even, we don't get too far ahead of ourselves, but there's an element of that in the, in the final goal as well, the equaliser that was very much so, you know, an, an opportunity which was somewhat speculative, but it was uh, one that resulted in a goal. So it, it's it's definitely something we're working on. You kind of look over the, the last few games, and you, you're going to see that that this Watford team is going to kind of rack up those shots and and try and take opportunities, even if they're not in uh, always the most kind of nailed on situations. You know, lots of shots outside the box, on the edge of the box, but where we are testing the goalkeeper, and he was pretty good that day, minus the. The equaliser, <laughs> yeah. Well, after a first half where we'd been, you know, pretty productive, getting shots in, as you say, it must have been disappointing for yourself to see us um, go down uh, not too long into the second half with uh, with Adams and that uh, strike from sort of just inside the the penalty area. Yeah, it was disappointing, and you know, it was one of those things, wasn't it? Because it was it was a game where we were the counter attacking team, and then we have a little bit of spill of possession and dominance, and then, of course we get countered and scored on. So. Um, Unfortunate, but that was that was an efficient move from Southampton to finish it off, and obviously Adams did very well. I had a couple people ask if if Hamish should have done better, but I think I think the way he takes it down, um, I think Hamish just anticipating that shot across goal, and it's so it's so close, his bodies between them, he kind of has to commit to a side, and Adams just kind of obviously just hits it hard down the middle, and that's enough. But um, yeah, really efficient work from Southampton, and I think again testament to the character of the team. You know, we're a team that's racked up quite a few late equalizers, late winners uh, this season. And I think the the kind of continuation of of that effort and that presence of mind to keep going later on that game, and, and not just capitulate after that first goal, which can easily happen against a team like Southampton. So, yeah, frustrating, but we um, we remained pretty pretty true to ourselves after that and, and carried on. After a fairly positive start for Espria, um and maybe not such a great performance from Rajovic, uh, Val decided to to make an initial change on 70 minutes with Ince and Bayo coming on. I think Espria was a little bit better last game. Um, I think he was a little bit more involved 
you know, we, we kind of talked about him not being able to, to get enough touches on the ball and not really kind of bringing that left foot into play. He had a couple of shots, um, you know, was involved in the build up a little bit more, had a key pass in there, just more more touches on the ball, etc. So a little bit better from Espria, but n- not exactly kind of groundbreaking. Tough game for him, though. Um, but against a team like Southampton, I think it was it was justified to bring him in and, and keep him in there and see what he could do. And it was, yeah, one of those ones when it happened, I think Ince was a good option. As for Rajovic, I think better at times, but I think this game really did require a lot of off-the-ball work, you know, just the 14 touches again for him, Um, no shots, yeah, no shots, obviously no shots on target, just no no kind of real um, goal threat there, just the 14 touches, seven uh, accurate passes out of 10, not overly involved, but in terms of a striker, this one really felt like you needed that presence of you know pressing, uh, defending from the front, and just kind of looking for those turnovers, and that's something obviously we come to expect quite a lot from Bio, um, kind of running across that back line and, and forcing those areas, being there to pounce on mistakes. So we've seen him score from this season too, uh, and and same goes for Tom Ince. You know, I think his work rate can be a little bit underrated. It's something we saw at Reading as being a real standout, um, especially kind of looking at the metrics of his his season last year for Reading, and and off the ball work was really high up there. Um, and you know we also discussed against Hull too that game management, the kind of intelligence later on in the game, and and seeing how he did it at Hull kind of give you some confidence that he could come on and and make a difference. And he, I think he did. Uh, Bio especially did actually have that kind of physical impact on the game. Um, so you can't really argue with the subs too much there. I thought. Do you think Martins was introduced a bit too late? Introduced on eighty minutes with Czech for Tadzi. I mean, it's not a lot of time for him to to do something. Yeah, it is kind of late, you know. I think that's one of the things you could we, we kind of struggle to find that balance. Sometimes it feels like subs are too early. You've had a few, you know, half time. We've complained that it's been too too much of a disruption, and then on the flip side, yeah, there, there's been options, opportunities to to bring players on, and it's not really happened yet. You could even argue, you know, we could even argue we brought on Healy too late. Obviously, it wasn't too late in the end to equalise, but it felt like the game needed that a little bit earlier. Um, and yeah, same goes for Martins too. It, it, it could have happened sooner, um, you know. And whether that's a case of trusting what he has in the field to, to kind of turn things around, thinking that their their energy, the output's good, doesn't want to disrupt too much. But um, I would like to have seen him just a touch earlier, personally. Yeah. Mm. What about you? Do you feel like it's a little bit late? To- yeah, I did. I did personally. I felt as though the game was crying out for Martins, and you know, I felt as though he should have come on at least ten minutes earlier with you know alongside. Bayo and, and Ince, but um, wasn't the decision. Ultimately, you know, it kind of paid mm. off. We, we we picked up the point, but could it have been more? I don't know. I mean, I felt as though we probably had the better of, but certainly the first half. And I, I felt disappointed that we didn't pick up all three. Personally, I know that I know that it feels like a win because we got the last goal in the in the final few minutes. But um, you know, if you just take the game as a whole without injecting the uh, kind of the, the the passion at the end it it feels to me like we've we've dropped two points personally but yeah it was a winnable game in in a lot of ways and I think we had plenty of chances that and half chances that could have led to more we could be a little bit more precise in certain areas a little bit more um more more confident as well in some forward areas we could have definitely got that that extra goal and you know as, as we said the goalkeeper had a great game he did he um, made he a did. really good save uh, off of um, I think it was a spree shot wasn't it and uh, he, I think mm-hmm. he also saved from Semmer as well didn't he a couple of yeah. good shots I was in the first half I think um, yeah exactly and uh, so it's, yeah. it's not a given was it no it wasn't I, a given. I mean I think there were definitely chances so yeah, if we could you know the thing is I think if you look at the performance overall it was a good performance. You know, if we could continue to to kind of use those sorts of um, 
those sort of countering performances where, you know, there's be teams we're going to play, you know, Southampton, Ipswich coming up. It's necessary to to kind of switch approach a little bit and, and be somewhat pragmatic. This has been a much more, uh, much more cultured version of, uh, you know, a little bit more kind of offhand um, counter-attacking, a little bit lower tempo at times football that we were maybe concerned would not kind of find us in this position where we're able to do, to do it efficiently rather than just this kind of um, haphazard kind of cluster of uh, <laughs> of players moving up and down the pitch that you've seen <laughs> for for Watford before. So yeah, no, I'm I'm quite I'm quite positive about these last two games, and I, I think you kind of it, it'll be easy to underestimate how quickly I think a game like that could have got away from us in in even previous kind of times this season, let alone years past. Reece Healy then brought on on the 95th minute, only three minutes to actually do anything. It felt like he had uh, so much that he was involved in in just those, what, what is it, 180 seconds? Is that what it is? I don't know. It's uh, yeah. Someone's going to pick me up on that now and tell me that's wrong. Um, but I mean, it, <laughs> everyone's talking about it and it, um, it's amazing. Oh, three minutes of, uh, of football and uh, he's, you know, he's stolen the headlines. Um, let's, let's speak about the goal first of all. Um, really good piece of work from Bio to actually win it in the first place. Yeah, it's a massive header, wasn't it? Um I think Bio came on, he was quite good, you know, shutting down, making it hard for the for the, the Southampton defenders to build up and yeah, that that header was huge. You kind of didn't really expect Bio to to win that sort of ball, but he just throws himself at it. He's so committed to get into that header. Um, and there was no stopping him. And I don't think Rajovic ran ahead all day in that position. So for Bayer to come on and do that was was really important. And then, of course, that, that does give us that kind of that board to work off. And he just instinctively took the shot, didn't he? He takes off the chest and you just can see he's going to shoot in. There's no, there's no second thought. It's get a touch and get the get the ball away. And that's what we talked about, Reese. You know, a, a different sort of play that's just going to get, get snapshots away. Um take opportunities there might be half chances but if it's there he's going to go for it and well it really really did pay off so credit to him yeah it was a poor shot as well to be honest he didn't hit it cleanly maybe that's what helped him the goalkeeper uh you know had been saving things left right and center all day but uh maybe he wasn't expecting uh that sort of half hit shot that kind of bounced along um in fairness, I think he was out of position as well, wasn't he, the goalkeeper? So he, he he was always going to be struggling from that point and it went under his body, which he wouldn't be happy with. But look, doesn't matter how they go in, as long as they go in. And uh, Reese Healy was so happy to, uh, to to score that goal. And, and you could see in the celebration that um, the, the players around him were really happy for him as well. Yeah, it must have been a really hard season for him so far. You know, I'm, I'm sure he'd been very frustrated not to not to have more involvement and you know potentially he's kind of put his foot in the door a little bit there. I think he was on, I'm trying to think of the home game it was a couple of weeks ago where he came on and he, he set up inches against Rotherham. Um, where he set up inches in the last couple of minutes, he kind of didn't get a shot away and then managed to lay it off and obviously got the winner and got the winner there, but one of the kind of later goals, sorry. But yeah, I think he's been kind of waiting for the opportunity and it, it, it must be such a relief for him to finally get that. And you could see, as you said, the players around him recognise that too. Uh, and I'm glad that he's now given Ismail that kind of problem now. He has to kind of discuss or kind of discover what he can do to get those players in because, you know, you, you want to play the hot hand. And I think you'd, you'd back Reese Healy now to to bring that energy, bring that tempo into the game from the first minute if he started one. So I would be very tempted if I was Ismail to just kind of throw him in there and, and give him a chance. Same with Bio in some sense. I, I think for me, I know Rajovic has been... Has, 
been quite productive, but I think that the substitute appearances from both strikers has kind of pushed them a little bit ahead for me in, in what I'd want to see against Ipswich. But yeah, it's, it's, it's open. It's tough to say, but either way, it's been a good week for uh, for Reece Healy. Mm. Bio clearly the preferred choice for Val, uh, at least in that game, because he came on, um, you know, on, on the 70 rather than with three minutes remaining. But uh, has Healy done enough to push himself ahead of Bio, or do you think that Bio might be the starter for Ipswich tomorrow? It's a good question. I mean, the thing is, if it wasn't for the fact that we've been playing. With 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 Bio, it kind of feels like you know he, Val really appreciates that pressing aspect to his game. The way that his his link play is not uh, it's not amazing, but it's better than the other players we have in the forward area. So I think he likes the fact that he can bring those wingers into play, and they've got those those guys that are coming in and able to get onto their you know obviously Semer can shoot across goal, but on the right hand side you're often looking at a Spreer or Ince that can get shots away cutting inside. You've got good width from the fullbacks it's not a bad thing to have that guy that can bring those into play. On the other hand, obviously, Rajovic is the complete opposite, getting shots away, scoring goals. Same thing, kind of, for Healy, but just in a slightly different manner. So it, it depends on what he wants from the striker, I guess. Um, I think against Ipswich, he might be looking at that pressing of Bio as something that he really wants to draw from. But, you know, uh, I, I think in, in kind of, on the other hand, I'd also like to see, if I was him, you know what can Healy's energy do in those four positions? It, it allows you a different sort of um, different sort of outlet to what we have in Bio, and potentially one that works quite well with the players we have there. But you know, if if that was the case, maybe it gives you a little bit more freedom to bring in someone like Martins and have that sort of forward on the left hand side too. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a, a good problem to have, and I'm quite curious. It's kind of one of the main things I'm interested to see in, in regards to that that lineup on Tuesday evening. Mm. And then the other thing we learned about Healy is that he's got a massive throw. I don't know if uh, many Watford fans knew about that. I certainly didn't know about it, but um, apparently it's something he's, he used at MK Dons uh, quite frequently. Uh, in fact, quite frequently when he was playing for and with Russell Martin. Yeah, incredible throw, Jordan. Yeah, really good. Um, he, Yeah, it was, I mean, look, it's, it's an effective tool to have, isn't it? And why not? If you've got it, then, then use it. And it was, it was good, you know. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We haven't had a, was, when the last, the last big throw we had was Lee Bromby, right? That's the last one we actually would set up for a, for a throw into the box like that, surely. Yeah, I can't think yeah. of anyone, anyone else really. Uh, Lee Bromby, I think before that didn't Gavin Mann used to try, but not really with much. Yeah, not really the no, same. You're right. But this is uh this is Rory Delap esque. This is killer. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You know, it's it's an interesting throw. It's his his technique is interesting. Um really gets his really gets his upper back into it and yeah, it, it got the ball into the box and it causes problems, especially against a team like Southampton. They're not they're not the most physically imposing kind of biggest side defensively. You know, Bednarak is obviously quite quite solid there, but there is some a little bit of frailty, and you can see it was causing problems, especially for the goalkeeper. You know, as, as good as he was, there was a little bit of a um, little bit of hesitancy. I think when when you started including something like that, and I think this kind of topic has been talked about obviously a lot around Roy Delap, and the same thing kind of imply uh, applies to this this sort of throw a little bit different, but it's it's tough to deal with and. You know, maybe we're not quite at the at the stage where goalkeepers are kicking it out for corners like Boaz Myhill did for, uh, for Rory Delap. But <laughs> yeah. um, it's definitely something that we could be seeing a little bit more of if uh, if we can get him onto the pitch. Yeah, Delap though, perfect position for a throw taker. Not so great for a striker to be the one taking the throw in. He's got a little bit of an engine though. He was getting side to side quite well, especially if it's a, if it's a, late, a later introduction like it was the other night. Then maybe uh, maybe we can find a way, but. Yeah, not ideal, but you know, it's not like he's six foot three waiting to get in the end of it anyway. So maybe we can uh, make do there and get some of those bigger guys into the box when, when those opportunities arise. Because you know, in, in terms of our midfielders, we've got some physicality and some size in there. You think if you can get the likes of Kone and Kembe and and so on into those positions, then you can actually cause some some decent problems. Yeah, talking about Kembe, he had a big game, didn't he? Great performance from him. Yeah. Yeah, he was good again. I think, you know, he, he seems to be getting really comfortable in that position now. And he had one good opportunity, didn't he, where he, he cut onto his left foot, obviously, um, and went to kind of hook it into that into that bottom corner, just got blocked. And it was just felt like it had a little bit little bit more speed, a little bit more tempo on that turn. He might have got that shot away a little quicker. But yeah, really, really solid. And, um, you know, I don't think there's many people really at all that are kind of, you know, dying for him around lose to get back into that team. And I don't think many would have thought that six months ago. No, you're right. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, another big game for Hoot as well, particularly up against his old side and the uh, away fans were giving him quite a bit of uh, jeering from the uh, from the back. So uh, it was nice for him to be able to, to get one over them. Yeah, no, I think he was good again. You know, it's a, a different sort of game for him a little bit in terms of his output, but it was... Uh... One that we, you know, I think he's quite useful in these. I think his, his left foot's useful anyway. Um, in a kind of a slower, more, um, more precise build-up where he doesn't get that chance to to really kind of unleash that left foot. When you when you are playing in a counter-attacking side, and you know, there's a little bit of space in behind you against a high line like Southampton, and 
that opposing winger is able to kind of drift across there. And this is even just another aspect. I think you kind of look at the likes of Healy and you think, you know, is, is that something you can work with? You've got that a little bit more pace in that forward position. You start to open up a few a few angles for for the likes of who to really kind of deliver that ball from deeper positions too, and uh, and potentially hurt some of these teams. But you know he was he was good again. I thought, and you know also too uh, been quite critical of of who, but also his his centre back partner. And I think that was one of Ryan Porter's better games for for us. Um, yeah, agreed. Southampton. Agreed. So. What what did he do differently that he hasn't been doing for the last few games, Jordan? I think it's a little simplified. You know, I think. There's there's something he can overcomplicate things a little bit, Porteous, and he can be a little bit rash or a little bit more like a little, little too quick to dive in, jump jump up the line, and and try and be too aggressive. Um, not necessarily kind of physically aggressive and giving fouls away, but trying to get in front of that striker and pick up the ball. And it's a risky game, and when it doesn't go well for him, it's it's gone quite poorly. You know, losing the ball a little bit on on occasion as well. But I think he just kind of slowed it down a little bit and just kind of consolidated that role a little bit more and, and made it kind of just more simple. You know, he, he was efficient in his in his passing. He still was able to move the ball a little bit, but he wasn't trying you know anything too too crazy. Um he wasn't over the aggressive in his tackle. He was kind of quite disciplined in his position. And I think that's the main thing for him. And you know, discipline is a is an area again, not necessarily in, in regards to getting bookings and sending offs and so on. It's obviously does have an impact for us. But I think discipline of this team was a big one. Um a big issue that we need to address in terms of their roles and and what's expected of them. And I think this is kind of the first time we've seen from Portius, Portius this season that he's kind of done that and he looked much better for it. And a quick word on Ben Hamer. Um Apparently, still keeping Dan Backman out of the team, he made the saves he yeah. needed to make. Um, in, he's still not a fantastic goalkeeper, but uh, he's he's doing enough. Yeah, I thought he did the right, didn't he? He wasn't, you know, he didn't have. I mean, he's at first, he didn't have a ton to do. He made, he made two saves, came and punched the ball out once. One of the saves from inside the box, touched the ball forty-two times. You know, decent pass accuracy, kind of clipped the ball out a few times, com- completed most of those. Uh, nothing too too kind of concerning there. I thought he was he was solid. And again, you're not you're not sitting there screaming for Backman to come back in. You know, maybe he'll drop a howler at some point, and and people will start kind of raising that conversation. But you know, if you're Dan Backman, you're thinking, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm the club captain, just on new contract, and I've made a mistake, got dropped out of the team, and then now it's a real struggle to even think. You know, you're not guaranteed to walk back in, so you're kind of waiting for that that mistake to come really now. Okay. Um, well, that was a very short summary of uh, of the, the Southampton game. But let's move on to some breaking news from today, Jordan. And um, it took us a bit by surprise, actually. Sporting director change for the Hornets, uh, Cristiano Giretta, is leaving his post to be replaced by the former technical director, Gianluca Nani. That's uh, not only a surprise, it's it's a, a bit of a, a bewildering one, that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um Oh, yeah, very strange. You know, this is a, a situation. I feel like we talk way more about kind of off the field stuff than on the field stuff with, with Watford. But they make us do it. The whole... They make us do it. They do these crazy things, Jordan. We just have to get off the football and start talking about the decisions they're making in the boardroom. I know, which I don't always hate. I, I, I do enjoy it in its own right sometimes too. Um, but yeah, this is an odd one. You know, we, we had the whole Ben Manga situation recently. It kind of felt like they they kind of settled on Gioretta to be that guy. But 
you know, we, we talked about this in the preseason even, I think, um, and, and definitely since that, where you know, Gioretta had, had been told he was going to leave and he was able, he was free to look for other options and other, other opportunities. He was interviewing elsewhere, you yeah. know, applying elsewhere and yeah. kind of nothing materialised. Then we had this weird, this weird statement from the club saying that he'd be there. And I think that kind of, you know, sowed some discontent with, with Mangra and his staff too. Yeah. It, it made the boundaries kind of very unclear and, and, and so on. And I think once Manga was gone, you know, it kind of always felt to me that he was maybe the more agreeable of the two, um, the easier one to keep. If you're having a problem with one, it's going to be Manga. And you know, Gioretta's kind of, you know, a little bit, you know, you know what you're going to, get, going to get from him a little bit more in terms of that that kind of relationship with the owner. But, you know, I, I, it's a curious one. You know, I don't think it's for it to happen at this point of the season so suddenly you have to think something's happened. The fact that he's resigning is is a little odd too. You know, it's everything surrounding is very odd. Um, so curious to if we, if we get any kind of more information on that in in the coming weeks. But um, obviously, we've got a new uh, or new ish uh, director <laughs> in to, to to discuss. Nanny joined in twenty twelve. Um, you know, alongside. Scott Duxbury and and uh, you know he was part of a, a several new appointments at the time. What did he do for us well? What did he do for us poorly? What do you think we can expect from him in his second uh, time round? I think I think Nani Nani. I think he's been a bit of a dis, maybe not decide uh, maybe not divisive but some, somewhat of a controversial figure. I think he's one that his track record is actually relatively decent. Um, I think especially for us, you know, he's he came in at a time where we needed um, a, obviously a massive overhaul. We we're going through a huge change with the ownership at that point. You know, Zola as well coming in, Duxbury and so on. Um, and it, it's still a little bit hard to pinpoint his exact influence because of the way we operate. You know, it's hard enough now, let alone in that first season where things are really kind of up in the air and new. Um, but you know, you know that he he was at Watford at a very successful time for us in a difficult period. And I think that time, you might not say was overly, overly successful in terms of you know, final position. Obviously, we didn't get promoted that season. We did get to play a final, but with how much change and how much had to be done, you know, the technical technical director at the time was going to have a real big job in his hand. So to kind of help guide us through that is is a positive on his CV, no doubt. Um, you know, opinion is split a little bit about his his other appointments. You know, especially most recently, Reading doesn't kind of fill you with confidence. But I, I I'm curious. I would like to see another kind of release from the club to to see if there's any sort of outline of of what their plan is with this because it feels to me like a bit of a kind of interim situation. I don't. I I I'd be a little bit surprised if they see him as the kind of the longer term guy. You know, I, I saw. I'm trying to see if I can find the quote as I'm talking, but. There was a quote someone was showing uh, you know, along the lines of um, how integral, you know, Gioretta and Manga are and all the reasons as to why they're they're so grateful this this role and what we need. And, you know, yet again, a couple of months later we've we've changed course. So I'd be curious to see what our, our rationale is, at least publicly. Okay, cool. Uh watch this space, I any suppose. Feel- do you have any feelings on that? Um it's like when we went back for Kike Sanchez Flores. You you understand um, somebody's positives and negatives after working with them, and if you've made a choice to to part with them, you know, based on their perceived uh, weaknesses, then why why go back? Uh, I suppose it might be uh, something that came out of the blue. Perhaps they weren't expecting Jaretta to leave, and they went with somebody that they knew would be able to slip in 
quite comfortable in that they are familiar with and that they, you know, supposedly have a friendship with. I think it's a lot of that. But um, it would be disappointing if he's still here for the start of next season. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like a short-term move. You know, maybe we're wrong. I don't think he's... I think it's held relatively highly in, in high regard in, in certain circles. I don't think he's bad at his job. You know, I, I think there's some some other factors around him that maybe people won't like. I'd be interested to see... I'd be interested to see this window under him. The thing is, I can only imagine what our window is going to look like now in January. I mean, the recruitment strategy has been stopped and started so many times. I kind of dread to think what position they're in right now. But, you know, just a, just a couple of months ago at the fan forum where Gina Potts was talking and referring to the you know, then technical director at the time, Ben Manger and Cristiano Gioretta, and he was you know, discussing how uh, Ben Manger is a perfect fit. You know, brings that philosophy across to Watford. You know, Gioretta has a slightly different role, but also you know integral to the to the plans. And then so quickly they're gone. Mm. It's it, it's very odd, and you know, it's kicking down very kicking odd. that can down the road a little further and. It's it's a tough one, but it's it's very confusing. And again, I'm really curious to see what we do in January, how we operate, and and what kind of effect that has. Okay, cool. Yeah, me too. Um, like I said, hopefully he is uh, just a short term appointment because I don't think anyone really wants him for much longer than that. Right. Let's move on then to uh, probably if you're listening to this today's game, which is Ipswich. Uh, under the lights at Vicarage Road, Ipswich going really strong. The, the kind of um, surprise of the season, to be honest, the newly promoted side, second in the table, just one point behind Leicester, um, coming off the back of a, a decent victory um, themselves against Middlesbrough. Um, and then Coventry before that, they're, they're high in the form table as well. They're going to be a difficult opposition this evening, Jordan. Yeah, really tough. Um yeah, it's it's been a difficult run of fixtures for us. And again, the one thing I will say is that the fact that we should be able to implement a similar style of play three games in a row gives me some confidence. But you know, out of the three, it should probably be the ones I'd be most concerned about in some ways. Um, yeah, really tough opponent. And as you say, they're in, they're in good form, and they're also you know they've got to keep the pressure up themselves. It's it's one of those obviously we know how the championship is. It, you have to be consistent. You have to be to really occupy those top two spots. You have to be consistent, especially in those away games. And you know I, I'm I'm curious to see how they approach it, but it's it's a tough one, no doubt. Yeah, Watford's games uh, against Leicester and Southampton recently though stand us in good stead to go toe-to-toe with Ipswich just based on the fact that we've uh, really held our own against those and probably would consider ourselves a bit unlucky to have lost to Leicester 2-0 and probably should have got more from Southampton. So it's uh, you know it's not the worst football that we've seen recently and maybe Ipswich could be um, our, our first three points against the team in the top six. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, it feels like a good time for us to play, play them. Obviously, this is probably going to come back to haunt us saying this, isn't it? But... Um, no, I, I agree. You know, I think we're, we're we're prepared in the sense that we we're kind of in that mindset already. It feels like a kind of mini three game stretch of just you know recycle that that approach and and we've we've kind of built on it. You know, I think the the game against Southampton, I think it was almost an improvement from the one against Hull in, in some ways. So if we can just continue that and and see if we can you know maybe just be a little bit more clinical. You know, being at home again it is quite nice for us and. You know, a little bit of a different side in in some ways. You know, a little bit quicker in possession at times, and you know, maybe not as retentive through the through the kind of the the back third there, their own third, but um, still a team that can that can hurt you in plenty of ways. And they've got the likes of Connor Chaplin and you know, George Hurst can be tricky, Sam Morse and so on. So, 
difficult game, um, but I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. Okay, cool. Good stuff. Um, we'll be back to chat next uh, on the Wednesday then, but that might do us for today, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're listening to us. Um, Tom, hopefully we'll be back on the Wednesday as well. If not, it'll be uh, myself and Jordan once again, and hopefully talking about uh, a victory. You, uh, Ipswich aside that you know a little bit, you were saying that you're from that part of the world, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, Ipswich Norwich are always uh, big occasions for me because I was in between the two of them for most of my childhood. So, yeah, this is it. Always feels like a bit of a it feels like a bit of a derby to me, even though for most what for fans, I'm sure it's just another fixture. Fixture, but you know, there was one of those. They were the two games where the um, the away games were closer than the home games. That was always nice. But uh, yeah, grudge match for me, big game for me. Yeah, absolutely, and um, a busy December, a very busy December after Ipswich. Um, Preston, Blackburn, Bristol, and Stoke, all before New Year's Day, which is uh, you know, quite a few to get packed in. Yeah, we've got to keep the mics warm now, Matt. They're gonna be busy, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right then. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, apologies it was a shorter one than usual, but uh, hopefully we'll be back to our traditional length uh very soon. If you haven't done so yet, please give us a follow on Twitter. You can find us uh, individually at Jordan Weimer, at TB Bedell for Tom and at Messi Messiano for myself. At Watford Pod for the podcast, please do give the podcast a follow because we're trying to get a lot more active on social media. Tom is uh, doing us a a big old favour by getting behind that computer desk and typing out all sorts of stuff, which hopefully will get you guys engaged and uh, feeling more buzzed about, uh, about Watford as we go forward. Also, if you don't mind, if you could give us a little review, the best place to do that is iTunes. Find us What For Buzz podcast. Go down to the bottom. There's an opportunity to give us a rating out of five. And if you leave a little comment, we will read it out on the show. It's a, it's a great way to, to interact with us. And we love reading them out. Uh, in the meantime, keep following the horns and we'll be back very, very soon. See you later, guys. You horns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 